have warned you even though you were on a plane. I should have sent a text, didn't. And I think that's where I feel really bad. Because you'd have warned me. I would have. I would have told them, guys, don't go there. So that just you know, the rest of the women. I don't even know why they even have me around and then try and destroy my family. For what? Do oh, come to church with us. Hello and welcome to Everything Iconic. I'm Danny Pellegrino, and on today's show, I have a very special guest joining me for the Roni portion of the recap. We have Gillian Jacobs, who's wonderful, amazing. Before we get to that, uh, I want to let you guys know that on Monday's show, I'll have a recap of Selling Sunset on Netflix, which if you haven't watched, you've got to dive in. It's fantastic reality TV. There's a woman on there named Christine who has a Nightmare Before Christmas-themed wedding. There is a woman there named Davina, who's a complete monster. And then our dear Chriselle, who was on Everything Iconic before, she's really the star of Selling Sunset, and she learns about her divorce via a text message from This Is Us star, Dustin Heartless. Now, it's truly shocking to me. It's a little bit slower paced than Our Housewives, but I encourage you all to binge it and then check out my recap on Monday of the whole series with friend of the show, Hannah Brown. It'll be alongside our little uh, Real Houses of Potomac recap on Monday's episode of Everything Iconic. So, uh, we have to dive into the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I just want to take a moment at the top to discuss the fact that they're throwing Teddy Mellencamp's baby shower at an Encino Buca de Beppo. So, let's just take a moment and break this down. Now, for those of you who are unaware of the layout of Los Angeles, California, I have to say that Encino is not Beverly Hills. Spoiler alert, it's not. It's a different part of town. And I'm not saying it's a worse part of town, but I am implying it. And the fact that they're throwing this baby shower there at a Buca de Beppo, a Buca de Beppo in the Dorit room. Now, do I want to go there? Of course I do. Of course, I can't wait till this pandemic ends and I can just go to Dorit's room there and touch everything, lick it all. I will literally be tongue kissing that table at the Buca de Beppo room of Dorit's. But I can't imagine that these women, these Beverly Hills housewives, which let let me remind you that the Housewives franchise started as a look behind the gates of Cota de Casa. So this whole franchise was built on the fact that we're looking at these rich women do rich women things. And now we are being forced to watch Teddy Mellencamp's baby shower at a Buca de Beppo with a family-style chicken parmesan. And I, uh, we have gone so far from the uh, logline of this television franchise now, will I watch it? Of course, I can't wait. I can't wait. But it looks like Denise doesn't even show up for the baby shower. She's probably at home uh, with Big Dick Aaron heating up a Stouffer's lasagna, and she's really getting the same experience as Dorit's Buca de Beppo, because I'm not saying the food is bad, but I am implying it. Again, I am implying it. So I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked in the fact that Dorit's doing it. I mean, Dorit, who I love Dorit, and she seems like she's giving off this air of just fancy, glamour, fashion. And then she's inviting everyone to her Buca de Beppo room. I mean, we've come a long way. We've come a very long way. But I am loving Dorit. Again, there's no shade to her. Um, but it's going to be something. And Teddy Mellencamp, John Mellencamp's daughter, he wrote Jack and Diane, which led to Jessica Simpson's I Think I'm in Love, which is, of course, the pinnacle of that beat. But uh, you guys, don't you go into the grocery store sometimes and you hear that first opening and you get really excited because it's going to be Jessica Simpson and then it's not. It's John Mellencamp. That's upsetting. It's always a letdown. Um, but when it is Jessica's version of that song, I think we all uh, raise our endorphins a little bit. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, anyway, I am shocked that they're doing the baby shower there. The baby shower. Um, I don't know why I just gave you a little franc impression. <laughs> Hello! Okay, I'll stop. Uh, we gotta say, uh, this week on The Real Houses of Beverly Hills, we open in Rome, Italy. We're still at that dinner where Rinna is just going after Denise still. She says, Denise, if you don't want to be here, then go! Go! And I'm thinking in my head, if Denise goes, what the hell are we all going to talk about here? We don't have a storyline if Denise goes off the show, so everyone better tell her to sit down and start talking, because none of you other women are giving us anything at this point. Erica Jane, I don't think, said more than three words this episode. She just sat there, stone-faced, and at one point, I wasn't even sure if she was just a statue. I mean, I like Erica Jane, but she was just sitting there, and she doesn't move a whole lot. She's just completely still. You could replace Erica Jane with someone from Madame Tussauds, and I don't know that I know the difference. She's not moving a whole lot, and she's not saying a whole lot either. And uh, again, she's giving us great fashions, but we need something else. But they're all yelling at Denise, and again, I feel bad for Denise. I want her to just tell all of these women, like, hey, let's shut the fuck up about it. Like, it's none of your business who I've had sex with. Uh, Denise doesn't do herself any favors when she says things like, well, Brandy said she fucked all of you guys, which is clearly a lie. And Denise was lying a lot. It's hard to defend her just because she is lying a lot, but all she had to say was shut the fuck up. And instead, she just says all of this other crazy stuff, but she did come to play later. And I also loved when Denise was in that weird confessional, when she said that she said worse stuff to Brandy about Teddy. Uh, So it was like, Denise's stories aren't adding up, but it was funny when she was just slouched over in that confessional. And I, I... we don't know what Denise is on or, or what she had to drink or eat before that confessional at home. Uh, but it seems to me like it was maybe something. Something might have uh, happened because, you know, she's, she's even like slouched over all the way. She just looks real chill and relaxed. And whatever that cocktail is, I want to sip because it looks like Denise does not give a fuck. And she's ready to play in that at home confessional with Big Dick Aaron right off camera, just feeding her, I don't know, something. Something in her drink or something somewhere. Who knows? What do I, who am I to say? Uh, anyway, then uh, let's see. We have this little moment between Garcelle and Rinna where Garcelle confronts Rinna about the body image issues passed on to the kids. I could not believe this, that Garcelle just did it. So as uh, calmly, she really came to play in Rome. And I'm just loving Garcelle in this cast. And I do think like Rinna's always the one to throw out these crazy accusations like the Munchausen or... Uh, were people doing coke in the bathroom? And so for Rinna to get a little taste of that own, her own medicine with Garcelle being like, do you think your Instagrams lead your daughters to body image issues? Woo! Could not believe it. I could not believe it. And I do believe that parents uh, influence their kids when it comes to body issues. I know my mom certainly has. I had uh, body image issues as a, a young kid, largely due to Linda. I love her to death. Queen icon legend, my mother. But... She definitely led to some some bad problems. You know, I remember she would always go on these diets, like she would go on these crash diets or whatever you want to call them. And she would go, and remember in the 90s, they would have like those snack wells that were those green boxes of cookies. And then they'd have all those chips that were like filled with Alestra. Immediately, you'd put one of those chips in your mouth and then you'd poop right away. Immediately, you would poop it out. And... I don't know that that's very healthy for the digestive system, but that's what we would do. It was like every six months or every summertime or spring, my mom would go and buy all the Alestra chips, and then we'd all be eating the Alestra, and then the bathrooms would be full at the Pellegrino household. I don't know that that was healthy, but I'm just saying 
that's a small example of how your parents' uh, eating habits and body image issues can be passed down. So, I, I, I appreciated Garcelle coming to play. I, I don't love that they're talking about the kids' stuff. In general, I would like them all to leave the kids out of it, right? Uh, let's see. The next day, everyone wakes up. It's revealed that Kyle and Dorit were up late drinking, and there was not one bit of entertaining footage. Not one bit. They didn't even show us. Uh, they showed us one little iPhone footage of Kyle laughing with Dorit, and I like to see them laugh and have a good time. But I, I just feel like they should have given us more television content if they were up late drinking. On Roni, I hate to always compare, but on Roni, all those women would have gotten drunk, accused each other of alcoholism, and then the next day they would have had mimosas. And it would have been four episodes. But here on Beverly Hills, it was like Kyle and Dorit, there was one second of a cell phone footage. And I thought, come on. Come on, hop two. Let's fix that. Come on. Okay. We need something else. So then we have a little sit down between Rinna and Denise, which I loved. This was very soap opera-esque. Denise says, you don't stick up for me. Rinna cries. She says, I don't want to hurt you. I want everyone to move on. And I fucked up even more. And they were sort of crocodile tears, but I don't even think they were crocodile tears. I think Rinna was digging deep and using the acting chops that she's displayed on such hit shows as Melrose Place and Entourage. I don't know if you remember this, but Rinna had an arc on Entourage. Uh, those of you who know, you know. Uh, but Rinna's uh, digging deep for those acting skills. She's digging deep, and she's showing me them, and so is Denise. They're crying together, and I'm like, this is the best kind of soap opera. This is it. This is what this show should be. These two sitting down and talking about something that should be very deep, but really just acting their way through it. And I loved it. Rinna said she feels bad. She said she's been an asshole. So she's self-aware enough, I think, to know that she tries to produce the show. And I do think Rinna's done that since the beginning. I think she tries to produce good TV. And that probably leaves her in the favor of producers. I'm sure production loves that about her because she moves storyline forward. She brings up things that other women don't want to talk about. She does a great job of it, but that has to like weigh heavy on your soul at night, right? She's going to sleep at night with knowing that she's throwing her friend Denise of 20 years under the bus for this television show. And so I like that she at least admitted it. What was going on with the camera work, though? Did it seem like it was like one of those flip cams from 1999? Or what was the camera footage? It didn't seem like we were watching HD. I don't know. What was that? Was it like a Nokia phone uh, camera footage? I'm not sure. But uh, it did seem sort of weird, or or maybe it was just low budget. Meanwhile, what was not low budget was the footage of Dorit and Kyle on a Vespa. And I'm not sure that we need a full crew there. We could have used some of those camera people and put them on Denise and Rinna when they were having their dramatic sit-down. Instead, we got uh, gorgeous shots of Kyle Richards and Dorit Kemsley on a Vespa. They weren't even driving it. They were in passenger seat. And I like, again, seeing them have fun, but I'm not sure that I needed the full Vespa scene. We've seen it before. We've all seen the Lizzie McGuire movie. Haven't we? We don't need this footage. Anyway, um, that was exhausting. And then, meanwhile, Teddy and Erica were at the spa. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but every scene that er- uh, that Teddy's in, they only show us about five seconds of it, and then they move on. She's at the spa. They showed us maybe 20 seconds. Then she was at her ultrasound. We got maybe 10 seconds of it. And they're at least not showing it to us. And I'm not sure audiences are really clamoring for it. 
But it does lead me to believe that maybe Teddy doesn't have a whole lot of time left on the show if they're really not showing any of her personal scenes for longer than five seconds. I mean, we got about five minutes of them on the Vespas, or even the other women were going to church. They didn't even make it to church, but we got a lot more of that. On the way to church, though, Rinna did talk about Harry's hot son with Ursula Andress, and I'd like to know more about his story. What's his story? Everyone's got a story. Uh, they don't make it into the church, though. There's a two-hour line. Uh, then uh, Rinna goes back and has lunch with Dorit and Kyle, and she tells him, she says, you know, I'm, I've been an asshole, bad friend to Denise. And they're all just sort of nodding, and I'm thinking, this is really? I thought it was more of Teddy's fault. Forgive me if I'm seeing this incorrectly. I know Rinna was really, like, driving it in to Denise, but I think it was more Teddy who should feel sorry about what was happening, because she's the one that brought up this thing in front of the whole fucking group. I did love, though, when they were sitting down for lunch and Dorit was ordering a Pinot Grigio. The way she said it was just, I, I can't even repeat it, but it was something like, Pinot Grigio, like she added so many different syllables to that word. And I know she's speaking Italian, but just, we know Pinot Grigio. But the way she did it with the accent, it was everything to me. It was everything. I just want to see Dorit. Can we get like uh, on, you know, on the Google Maps on your phone, how it gives a voice? Can we make Dorit's Italian a voice on that? I would like that. I would like that. Anyway, then we have a late night pizza party. You know what I was thinking this episode? We'll get into that pizza party in a second. I was thinking, why did Camille get a confessional? Camille, remember that like a couple of weeks ago when they had that white party at Kyle's or whatever that was? And Camille got a confessional at home. She was only in one episode, I think, and wasn't even a storyline of it. She kind of just made up with the women. And it seems so bizarre to me that they gave her a full confessional. And we're almost at the end of the season. I think there's two episodes left. So why the confessional? Why the confessional? Did she tell them she'll only come back if they give her a confession? I need to know. I need to know. Uh, anyway, we go to the pizza party, and this is where they talk about Dorit's uh, Buca di Beppo baby shower. And Sutton can't even say Buca di Beppo. She's like, Buca di Beppo? Ba-ba-ba? Ba-da-boo-boop-boop? She wants a ba-da-boo-boop-boop. And they're like, the producers are even in the confessional with Sutton. They're like, you don't know how to say Buca di Beppo? And she's like, a ba-ba-da-boop-bo? And she does it like 10 times. I mean, it literally goes on for five minutes, and I would have been happy with 10 more minutes of it. Just let's see Sutton try to pronounce that. How do we make that a spin-off show? Just Sutton trying to pronounce things that are, uh, you know, made for poorer people than herself. You know, she's not made to go into a Buca de Beppo. That's not Sutton's deal. And also, she's from the South, I think. I don't even know if they have Buca de Beppos in the South, but bop da boop bop beep da boop boop Like five minutes. Five whole minutes they left it in, and I didn't care. I want to watch it ten more minutes. Just, I want to see a whole half hour. They're bringing Don't Be Tardy back. You don't mean to tell me? That we can't have a Sutton spinoff where she pronounces things that poor people have to eat at? Let's see that. No one wants to see Don't Be Tardy. Do we really need to see it? How is that still happening? I've never heard from one person that watches it. And by the way, I don't want you to DM me and tell me that you watch it. Okay, I'll take your word for it. But I just cannot believe that it's still going on. I can't believe it's a thing. Can we all just talk about that for a second? It's coming back again. 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 A fucking again. Don't be tardy. We're on season like 15 of it. You got one season of Gallery Girls and we're going on season 75 of Don't Be Tardy. At this point, she's just got 100 kids. Uh, anyway, where were we? Oh, so this pizza party. 
So Sutton can't say bukudabapap. They're doing Teddy's baby shower there. They, uh, let's see, Denise is coming to play. She's ready to just let loose on these women. She says, tonight I have something to say. And I am so excited. I'm on the edge of my seat. I haven't seen this side of Denise before in a while since uh, one of her on-screen performances in an acting role. But she's really exciting me. She's going to let loose on the people. Everyone shows up. And we do have a couple moments before Denise lets loose where we're acting like everything was so fun, you know, where they're all recapping their days. And Kyle and Dorita are like, we rode Vespas. And they make everyone look at footage of them on the Vespas. I'm like, haven't we seen enough of this Vespa work? It's just too much. But then uh, Denise is like, I just want to give a toast, and then I want to talk. And this is when it all happens. Uh, She just says, there's so much judgment in this group. Every fucking dinner I've been on, the receiving end, and I've been feeling attacked, and that's not fucking cool, she says. And I wrote in my notes, yes, big, uh, big letters. She says, my husband, Big Dick Aaron, she doesn't call him Big Dick Aaron, but you know she was thinking it. You know she was thinking it right then and there. She's thinking it. She said, My husband, Big Dick Aaron, did not want me to go on this trip, and he was right. This has been the worst trip I've ever been on in my entire life. It is mean girls. And when she said mean girls, first of all, if anyone's on Twitter, you know that when it comes to Real Houses Beverly Hills, if you click on the hashtag R-H-O- what is it? R-H-O-B-H, you will see. Everyone's saying that Kyle and Teddy and all those women are mean girls. They said it since the Lisa Vanderpump days. It's like a hashtag. And so the fact that Denise was using it, I got chills and goosebumps because I couldn't believe she was throwing that out because I think they knew. And I think they even addressed it on the show. Rena was saying in her confessional, you know, Denise knows that last season we all got attacked and they did. They did. And people go way too hard. I wish, I wish we could all enjoy these shows and poke fun and pick our faves and stuff, but sometimes it goes too far. And I've noticed with Beverly Hills, more than any of the other franchises, it does go, people go hard online and they go hard at these women. And they, I, I believe they just go way below the belt and they say just really way too mean things. Like, I don't want to watch Teddy on my screen anymore, but I certainly don't want to wish any for family harm or anything like that. So I wish everyone would be when it comes to online, a little nicer to the Beverly Hills woman. I'm not saying they're angels by any means. But let's enjoy the shows and have fun and, and poke fun and we can make little uh, sh- memes and fun stuff. But uh, let's not go below the belt because these are humans. And I think sometimes people don't realize that these people see these comments. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like they're cartoon characters. We always, I always think that like sometimes when we're watching it, so we forget they're real human beings. But anyway, the fact that Denise threw that out was shocking to me. And then when Rina pointed it out that it was a Twitter thing. We were really breaking the fourth wall again. Garcelle walks away. And I'm like, why is she walking away? She says, I'm going to go. Uh, Denise then says, I'm going to go. I said everything I had to say. Uh, and then she just leaves. And Garcelle's like crying by a fence. Did you see this? Like, Not even a camera was on her. She was just crying by the fence. We've all been there. I'm loving uh, Garcelle these days. But it seems like it would be emotionally taxing to be at these dinners all the time. And Denise goes up to her, and Garcelle just says, I miss my family. I want to be home. She just needed a moment. And Denise is like, well, I'm, go- I'm gone. I'm done. I'm leaving. And then this is where the episode really took a turn, and I was, I, I was so confused by it. So the producer then goes up to Denise. We see the producer on camera. The producer says, Denise, let me tell you something. You, you going back 
is a big mistake. You need to go back into the restaurant. He says, you can't come in here and make a big speech like that and not hear anyone else's opinions. If you want to move past it, let's move past it. And the producer escorts her back in. And I'm loving this at this point. And part of it, I think, is that the producer is really... Mac, what is it, Machiavellian, or I don't know the word I'm trying to say, but kind of like orchestrating this madness of the show. And it's so exciting as an audience member to see how they maneuver it. And it's a thankless job, and it must be such a tough job dealing with all of these big personalities as a producer on these shows. And so seeing it, I was goosebumps, excited, uh, serotonin, endorphins, everything was flowing, and I was happy. And then Denise gets in, and it was very strange because she just says, I want to move past this. And then there was no tension. And that was very strange to me because it was all diffused so quickly. And it just, that was the point, more so than any of the other times that we've broken the fourth wall, that was the point as an audience member, I really felt like we're watching a TV show and none of this is real. Does that make sense? It felt like none of this is real because Denise's tension was gone. And they were all just laughing about where they fucked. Erica all of a sudden is talking about how she got a concussion and then fucked some doctor's son or something? Did you guys hear that? I mean, I didn't take notes on that, but I know that Erica at one point said she bopped her head and then fucked someone in the hospital. And then Sutton is trying to compete with that story and just says that she had sex with her boyfriend on a campground. And they're all like, well, yeah, who hasn't had sex in a sleeping bag, Sutton? Like, what the fuck? It's not uh, shocking to us that you had sex in a sleeping bag. And then Kyle said she had sex at a party as it sounded to me as if she did it on a table in front of everyone. She did say it was like a 10-person party or a dinner party or something. And I'd like to know that story. Let's get into details. They all just sort of moved past it. And Kyle's like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And I'm like, I fucking want to talk about it. Let's get that producer back in there. And he needs to tell Kyle, back the fuck up, and we need to get into this deeper. Because what are you saying? You just fucked in front of everyone? Or did everyone leave that dinner party and then... Then you had sex on the table? I don't know. And then Rinna did it in a station wagon. Denise did it in a church parking lot. That's the episode. Next week, we get the baby shower. Hello! Uh, Sorry, you guys, I had too much caffeine. And then uh, we get Brandy at the baby shower. Um, At the boop boop at the bop a beep bop beep a boop boop at the beep bop 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 Yeah, I wonder if Sutton's even there. I bet she's still driving around trying to find that place. She's never been in Encino before. I don't believe Sutton's ever been in Encino. Mm-mm. Nope. She's looking for that place on her Google Maps and not finding it. And you know she just decides to go home. She probably made it, saw the the big neon lights of the Buca de Beppo sign and was like, nope, I'm not going here. I'm not interested. Maybe she does. I didn't, I didn't see her in the footage, but maybe she's there. Um, anyway, you guys, that's uh, The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. Uh, I want to say before I bring out my guest, uh, Gillian Jacobs, I want to say that you can find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino, Twitter and Instagram. And then also, if you want to support this podcast, I'm recapping Sex in the City from the beginning over on the Patreon page. So there's two recaps up, the very first episode of Sex in the City and episode number two. Uh, you can hear recaps over on patreon.com slash everything iconic. The link is in the episode description of this podcast. And all you have to do is donate $4 or more per month. I do one recap a month. So one bonus episode a month. And more importantly, it helps to support this show. So we're moving slowly through seconds, uh, Sex in the City, but uh, the money helps to support the show. So thank you to all who are over there. And they're fun to go back and watch Sex in the City. Uh, 
on episode two, there was this guy named Barkley who was like filming the women that he slept with, having sex without them knowing. It was truly shocking behavior. You know, season one of Sex and the City is a totally different show than season four of Sex and the City. And it's fun to re-examine what we were watching. Anyway, uh, I'm going to uh, bring out my guest and uh, yeah, I'll talk to him. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. Oh, my God. What's going on? She has the run. Oh, shit. You haven't been brushing your teeth with the water through the tap, have you? Oh, shit. I just did that now. I wouldn't mind some diarrhea right now. I'm not even going to lie. It's like a natural blonde. Look at it. I mean, she looks good, but, she yeah, but, she can't, but she can't go to dinner now. No, what? Because you might like every ten minutes. Oh no! Come in. Woo, Lou! Wow. You sick? My stomach is like a bullet. Oh, I can smell it. It's terrible. <laughs> Let me get the Chanel all over body. Yeah, said, yeah. I bring said, it. Bring the Chanel all over okay. body. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, our room smells like this all the time, so I didn't notice the difference. <laughs> Gillian, how are you doing today? I am so excited to be with you. This is one of my favorite podcasts, and uh. I even have my oh, it disappeared in my virtual background. <laughs> <laughs> my Danny Pellegrino. Now I cherish. Yes, we share a love of the comeback. Oh my god, is it not the best? It is one of my favorite shows of all time. You know, I'm interviewing. Do you know who Jema Mays is? Oh was- yeah. Yeah. And she was on like one episode of the comeback and I'm interviewing her this weekend. And I'm like, I really just want to ask like all questions about the comeback, but she's literally in one scene. So she's going to think I'm like crazy. No, I, I think it's one of the best television shows of all time. So yes. yeah, I would have yes. been honored to be in one scene. Yeah. Why right. Why didn't I fight for that? I, I feel like there'll be a season three eventually. So we'll oh, get you I hope in there. So. Oh my God. I hope so. So, Gillian, you're, um, we're going to talk about your new movie, which I loved. I can't wait to talk about it. But first, we're going to break down Roni. Um, before we even do, I want to know, like, what's your history with Roni? Like, have you watched from the <laughs> beginning? Like, what's your history? Well, I have not watched every single season because I had periods of my life where I didn't own a television. So I have, sure. uh, I have big holes in my viewing of Roni. But consistently in the last few years, I would say... And then, I, I mean, I've, I was trying to think of what housewives have I met in anticipation of, of doing this with you. And I was in a movie for Netflix a few years called Ibiza, and my character was a publicist. And in one of the scenes, I say, 
I'm pitching a client and saying, I can get you Dorinda. And so then uh, we insisted Vanessa Bayer, Phoebe Robinson and I, uh, who are the main cast, we insisted that they invite Roni Housewives to our New York premiere. So Dorinda and Luann came. I feel like I may be forgetting some other people, but I definitely met Dorinda and Luann uh, at the premiere and was starstruck. What was it? What were they like up close? I mean, I've met them a a few, a time or two, but what did you think? They were lovely. I don't think, I don't know that it had been explained to them why, (laughs) why they were invited. They don't care. They were happy to be there. And they, I think they laughed and enjoyed the film, but uh, Phoebe, Vanessa and I were so excited. (laughs) I don't know that they were as excited to be meeting us, but we were very excited to be meeting them. I also just want to let the viewers know if anyone's watching this on YouTube that your virtual background is a virtual background. It's, it's not, a virtual background. You're and not that's in a why field. Things are disappearing as I hold them up. I know. I'm like looking at myself. My like headphones disappear all the time. It's a nightmare. Um, wait, I was going to ask you. Okay, so you're watching consistently. So when something from the past like comes up, do you are you like confused of like? when they show a flashback scene or you're like, what the fuck was that? Like what happened? You were talking about Cindy Barship, I think, and the camel. I've never seen that trip. So I just go with it. I, things have happened that I'm not aware of. <laughs> Cindy Barship was a wild ride. It was one season. Okay. Um, she's probably the least liked housewife in history, but I actually think she was a little underrated and that season's good if you ever want to go back. All right. I yeah. will. Are they all on Peacock? I don't know about. I think they're on they're on Hulu, <laughs> okay. which I just I just started watching Top Chef on Hulu, and I was mm-hmm. confused like why the Bravo shows are on Hulu instead of Peacock because they should be on the Peacock, right? Like it doesn't make sense to me. Unless the studio that produced them is not Universal, which is M- Universal owns NBC, but if it was a different studio, maybe they have a different deal. Like Community, I was on was on NBC, but it was produced by Sony, and that's why we're not on Peacock and we're on Netflix. So. But now that it's on Netflix, don't you find that? I was going to ask you this later, but it's like everyone's catching up and watching it now, right? I think so. I, it right. seems so. Anecdotally. Yeah, yeah. Are You, you guys are going to do a movie, right? I feel like that must be an annoying <laughs> question, but I have to ask it. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we're all open to it. I have yeah. not, you know, given a contract or a script, but I'm, I'm certainly open to doing it. I'm so fascinated by the Chevy Chase of it all. Like, <laughs> that fascinates me. That, I don't, you know, he's a human that I just feel like I don't really understand. Like, I don't get him. But I love the vacation movies. They're like, those were everything to me growing up, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, so b- back to Bravo. What else do you watch on Bravo? I, I sort of know, but tell everyone. Yeah. Um, million Dollar Listing, LA and New York. That's another, I was trying to think of who, which Bravo celebrities have I seen. And I think I've seen the realtors from million dollar listing out and about in LA. And I have that. I don't know if you ever have this thing where when you see someone from Bravo, you think, you know, them. And I've said hi to reality stars. Um, and then realized, Oh, I don't know them. I've just seen them on TV a lot. So I think I definitely said hi to Josh Altman. I've seen Josh flag driving around in his Rolls Royce. I think, um, very recently, I, but not to interrupt you, but no, very recently, I, I, I got like very excited at a Rite Aid because I thought it was Blythe Danner, but it wasn't. It was just like Ooh. an older woman. But I like love Blythe Danner. And I, I sort of like gasped. I was like, oh, my God. And then she turned around and looked at me like I was crazy. But you know what? What was a boy to do? <laughs> <laughs> just roll with it. I actually. So did I mean, did you ever watch Situation Comedy, which is a very old Bravo 
Um, I did not, no. Okay, so this was, it was like Project Greenlight, but it was for sitcom putts. And okay. it was a competition where there was all these various um, writers who had pilots, and then the NBC made their pilot. It was produced by Sean Hayes. And so I was one of the only people who watched this show. This was a period of time in which I had access to a television. I was staying in someone's pool house in LA. And when they were at work, I would go into the main house and watch Bravo. And so I watched Situation Comedy by myself. And um, then shortly thereafter, I was cast in a multi-cam pilot. And, you know, they tape in front of a live audience. And so when I went out and you're like in between um, takes, I saw someone in the audience that I thought was a friend of mine and waved and said, hello, and then realized, oh no, this was someone who was on situation comedy. And they have since become a friend of mine. And, and, and he was like, I don't know why you were waving to me. We didn't know each other. And I was like, oh, it's because I watched situation comedy and I thought we were friends. But so I find myself so often almost saying hi to when I see a reality star. Out and about. You know, Leslie Grossman always says they work. They work for us. Okay, I have a Leslie Grossman. So Leslie Grossman and I were in a pilot together many years ago, and um, one time she texted me saying, "Like I've, I'm see, I I can't remember who it was, but like that she saw a reality star, a Bravo celebrity out in the wild." And I was like, "Go and say hi. Go and say hi. Go and say hi." And I basically forced Leslie to go and say hi. Um, Wait, so isn't was- Leslie the best? She's the best. But also she did that to me with Brittany from Vanderpump Rules. She was like texting me from a Nordstrom's. She's like, Brittany's here. (laughs) Yes. She was like, and then she said that like the makeup artist knew Leslie and she went up. Yes. I think we were getting simultaneous texts. Oh my God. She was just copying, pasting those texts. Oh my God. I'm so so mad at her right now. No, she was thinking of the people (laughs) in her life who she knew would care the most. And I'm glad that, you know, she should have just made it a group text. I know. And of course, everyone is probably like, go up to her, go up to her. Yeah. Um, do you watch Vanderpump at all? I have in the past, but not as much recently. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to I wanna get into Roni. First of all, off the top, I got to say that uh, breaking news, Sonia revealed on Watch What Happens Live that she dated Richard Lewis, which I just find so strange. <laughs> this is heavenly. It's like, doesn't it feel right? Like it just... It feels accurate, and I don't know what else to say. I feel like the after show is that they get the two of them reunited on Zoom with Andy. (gasps) Oh, my God, please. And let's get her on Curb. She's an improv uh, improv genius. Oh, my God. That would be incredible. I want to see, yeah, and um, I think that they should have, like, the many lives of Sonia Morgan as, like, a spinoff. Yes. And didn't they do like an origin story of Luann special episode? Yeah, it was like origin Luann. Um, wait, wasn't there like an X-Men origin? That's what I'm thinking of. But um, I mean, Luann's basically an X-Men, but she, they did one. Yeah. And my favorite little bit from that was that she worked at a TJ Maxx or she like would interview people at a TJ Maxx or something about a TJ Maxx. And so it comforts me to know that she's a Maxinista. Oh, Aren't we all? And is it, wasn't there also something where she impersonated Sharon Stone at a European <laughs> award show? Unclear, but yeah, there was some sort of. It's all coming back to me. Yeah, she, wasn't she was on stage at an Italian award show? Yes, I think accepting. as Sharon Stone, <laughs> and then was waving to Why a big that? movie star from the eighties. It was in the audience. I can't remember who it was. Oh my god! I'm like picturing that scene now from that we need more of those i was just gonna say 
I, I so appreciated the one in Luann, but I want one on Sonia. Don't you want one on Sonia? I want Sonia. I want Tins- Tinsley's got a very checkered past. You know, she's been in media for a while. I want her. Uh, I would take them all, really. Denise, yeah. I want something on Denise um, from Beverly Hills. You know, Luann, Luann just like has weird, even in this week's episode, she said something about how she she could be studying her script. And I was like, well, is she talking about the cabaret show? Because I've seen that and there's four lines that she... Well, that's another thing. Luann and I have both been directed by Ben Rimmelauer. Oh, interesting. What was he like? He was great. It was many, many years ago um, when I still lived in New York and I was directed by Ben Rimmelauer in an off, 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 off Broadway play. Sure, sure. Well, he's getting closer to Broadway with Luann. I mean, yes. it's still going. Um, okay, so I want to talk uh, off the top of this episode. Uh, we have these hot men in the backyard um, named Axel and Raul. And this is sort of setting up that this episode is going to be very horny. Like these women, there's a lot of men. And these two, I believe, were probably gay. And I hate to stereotype or judge, mm-hmm. but I believe that. <laughs> um, one of them was named Raul, too. And did you take a uh, language in high school? Like, did you ever? I took Spanish. So did, I was thinking about this, and we had to have a Spanish name in Spanish class. Did you oh. do that? Oh, now that you say it, you know, as a true theater nerd, I think I chose Evita as my Spanish name. <laughs> Because I had been in two productions of Evita by that point, but only in like, I was cast in musicals when you're a child and you didn't really have to be able to sing. Like you could be in like the children's chorus that had one song um, and no one could really tell that you couldn't actually sing. But then when I got to the age where you'd have to actually audition for a part with like a solo, I stopped. I couldn't understand why, but I stopped being cast in musicals. They were like, that's a wrap on Gillian. That's a wrap. Um, but why did, we, why did we have Spanish names? Like, why, I don't understand. Because mine was Raul. One of these guys oh. was named Raul. And I was like, why did we, we have to change our names for like one class? It seems so strange. Maybe, I don't know. It's like a confirmation name. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I remember my teacher was like a nightmare teacher, but she'd always call me Raulzi, Raulzi. <laughs> but I was... I didn't understand that. Um, and then, so these guys are there to like teach them to work out after no one can even wake up because they're all hung over. I don't even know how they're functioning at this point. Like the amount that these women drink, I can't even believe that Dorinda was up, but then she was like teaching them aerobics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, <laughs> what are we doing with the aerobics? Like what's happening? Have you taken it? No, I haven't taken it, but she like, it seems to me it's such an odd business venture, but if it's working for her. Well, you know, I would think that I would be exhausted by launching that as my next career venture because I would have to do aerobics a lot. I, a lot. I would rather something like what you do with the podcast tour where it involves more sitting. Yeah, you sit and you chat about these women. <laughs> That's a, it's nice. Yeah, she was doing even like the aerobics in the Instagram live at the beginning of the pandemic. And it's like, it's just a lot. I, do you know um, Ryan Heffington? I think his name is. He's a he's a dancer and a dance teacher, a choreographer. And um, my friend was like, he's doing um, dance classes live. And I did it once, and I was like, my knees hurt. I can't do it anymore. It's a lot of jumping up and down. The live workouts stress me out. Like I I don't know. There, it feels like a lot of pressure. There's never a good connection. I tried one. It was like a plyometrics class that a friend was. What doing. is that? 
I'm not even sure how to explain it. It was like a lot of moving around. It reminded me of Taibo. Like, do you remember? Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) Which was a weird time in history with Billy Blanks. But that's what it reminds, that's the vibe it gave me. But I guess she, they can't call it Taibo because I don't know if it's copyrighted. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The aerobics, though, is strange. You know, I, I forgot even about that beginning of the episode because so much happened. That yeah. I thought you were talking about the two men they met on the beach. I forgot about the two men, the trainers. Very horny episode. Those two men on the beach were hot, though, right? Like, I was, I was into them and proud of Luann for immediately. I, it was a lesson to me. I should transcribe it because I've never had that much confidence in approaching a stranger in my life. So I feel like I just need to transcribe that interaction. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. It was like 30 sec, a solid 30 seconds. And she's like, come back to the place. Yeah. I would just go, hello. Yeah. I, I would be afraid to do that. Yeah. Especially because the, the, like one of the guys was like ripped and I know Luann's got like an amazing body. She looks fit, toned, better than ever, I believe. Um, and so healthy too. Don't you feel like, I feel like her skin looks great. She just she looks, looks like a, horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, the one guy looked terrific too. And I would have been like, so intimidated by him. You know, he had the blouse off and he was just like, he's had a little swagger and she just invited him right away. Even Leah at first seemed trepidatious of him, but then later, of course she was all over him. Well, how about Louie joining the beach volleyball game? <laughs> Luann's got some balls on this trip. And I mean, my God, I'm as bad at volleyball as Luann. So I would not volunteer to join strangers in a volleyball game. I had to essentially be forced in gym class in high school to join in anything. But she just, she just marched right in. They seemed happy to have her. The only time I sweat in high school gym class was when they would bring out, I don't even know if it was high school, but it was like in youth gym class when they would bring out that big ass like blanket that you would sort of, oh, yes. do you know what I'm talking about? I remember exactly what, what you're that? talking about. I don't know. It kind of looked like a deflated hot air balloon and you would, you would like lift it up and then one person would run in the center. Oh, those were good days. Those, those were, were like days. the best days when I, you would see that fucking sheet cloth, <laughs> rainbow colored cloth. And I, that wasn't high school. I don't think we did that in high school, although I'm sure I requested it a time or two. Um, but it <laughs> Can't was. Can you just picture the gym teacher now going like, that'll exhaust them. They really seem to like it. <laughs> that'll exhaust minimal wrangling if I get out the deflated hot air balloon. <laughs> You know, um, Dorinda also this week's episode said she was really athletic. She's like, people don't yeah. know that about me. And even though she does the aerobics, I, I, when she said that, I was like, yeah, I don't know that about you. <laughs> like, it was a surprise to me. Well, after we heard about her breaking her rib doing the ballroom dancing, I then did want someone to start a petition for Dorinda to be on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, my God. Please. She would yell at Tom Bergeron, or he's not on the show anymore, but whoever the host, Tyra Banks... Oh my God, Tyra's going to host it. Well, could you imagine a little a little argument between those two? Dorinda would get so upset if she was losing. Someone needs to start this petition. We're doing it right now. Right now. It's happening. Um, it's all happening. Uh, it's when, all happening. When Luann and Leah invited those guys to the house, I just want to say what she said. She said, come see the house. We won't kidnap you. We're not part of a cartel. Are you? Oh, well. And then she just... <laughs> part of our cartel and she just invited them right back she wouldn't have cared if they were part of a cartel they were coming to the house regardless now do you okay you know more about the behind the scenes on these shows than i do 
were those men miked already or was that, was that a boom miking situation? And then they got them to sign releases is immediately after they exited camera and said, you're actually agreeing to be on camera, right? Cause they didn't blur out their faces, but were they, were, did production scout those gentlemen or was that genuinely, they just encountered two people walking on the beach? I mean, now I'm rethinking everything. I, now I actually, they weren't miked on the beach because th- there was like nowhere to put the mic on those cargo shorts. They'd have to do the Bachelor in Paradise where they wear, wear what looks like a weird necklace. Right, right. Yeah. So they weren't mic there, but then that leads me to believe there must have been a boom mic because they weren't subtitled. Yes. So then they had to have known that Lou and Leah would have gone and talked to them. But they also didn't seem like very super comfortable on camera. So mm-hmm. I, I do feel like maybe producers went up to them on the beach and were like, hey, you guys want to flirt with Luann? And of course, they said okay, yes. Who doesn't? Of course. And I like when they brought him back to the house and Ramona was just like so excited. I haven't seen that side of Ramona in a while. She just like lit up like a Christmas tree. It was amazing. Um, but then I felt bad because they were going to dinner that night. And uh, we know that bathroom humor is just a part of the show, right? It's, it's inescapable at this point. Um, and it was revealed that Dorinda, excuse my language, but she had diarrhea. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but she also said uh, she, and this is a direct quote, I shit on my floor reaching for my dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't like this increased bathroom content. On, on I don't Ronnie. love it. I don't love it. But also it just comes into place so often that I find it comical that it's like every season somebody's <laughs> shitting on the floor. <laughs> and Sonia, since you mentioned it in your recaps, I have noticed the number of times that Sonia talks about passing gas. And it's quite free. many times in this episode, I think. She did. She said, and she said her in Ramona's room smells that's like exactly shit. What I was gonna it. She said, oh, I didn't notice it because that's what our room smells like all the time or something like that. Ramona offered her a, a modium. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, was- wait, how did she pronounce it? <laughs> oh, yeah. She, wait, she said a modem. A modem. Last week she said something and I didn't, I didn't mention on the podcast, but she said, I made a mole, a mole hill out of a mountain. Yes. I I clocked that one as well. (laughs) You can't get any of these right. But it was funny to me because everyone just kept walking in the scene. It was like, it was like a sitcom where it just kept heightening, where it was like Mm -hmm. Luann entered, Leah entered and everyone that entered, they're like, woo. Luann's like, I need to go get the Chanel. And then like Leah walked in like, holy shit. Woo. (laughs) Just kept tightening. Um, It was amazing. They're good writers. They are. It was, this episode was really making me laugh a lot. Like I just, I was so happy this. I've been really enjoying them in Mexico. It feels like we're in fresh air. We have sunshine. Also that house looks incredible. Right. Right. It's beautiful. I mean, something about, I was feeling like a dark cloud over them in New York Mm -hmm. and the Berkshires. And now they're still acting the same way. Like they're still getting very inappropriately drunk, but it's something about the sunlight that makes it feel okay to me. And I'm not sure what that says about me. But But weren't you saying you're upset that they don't go to different countries or they've gone to Mexico previously and you wish they would go to a different country for their cast trip? Yeah, I want to see them in China. I want to see them in Germany. I want to see them in Italy. Like all the other cast get to go to these exotic places, South Africa. Like let's get them somewhere else. I don't know why they, what's with the budget or if, 
I don't know what it is about it. You know, for last season, it was like Luann couldn't go certain places because she was mm-hmm. on parole for assaulting the police officer. And now, though, I think she's good. She should be able to travel. Hmm. How much control do you think they have over that as a cast? Or they're just told, you're going here? I think they're just told. And but- then why do they do the pretense of this person is organizing the trip? I don't know. I don't know why they don't give that up. It's like, enough of that. This trip was so loosely tied to... I don't even remember what they tied it to. I don't know that did they this time? I think there was like some very loose reason. Even on Beverly Hills, it was like, this is Erica's last chance to get away before she does Chicago on Broadway. It was like, what? <laughs> Are you watching Beverly Hills? Yes. What do you yes, think? I... Of, what do you make of the Denise and Brandy of it all? I don't know what to think, but yeah. this is a truly electric season of Beverly Hills. Oh, I've acted with Lisa Rinna. That was another connection I thought of for you. When did you... Lisa Rinna appeared on an episode of Community. Oh my God, I don't remember this. How was she? She she was terrific. Um, Yes, so I definitely know Joel McHale and I had scenes with Lisa. Um, And I think it was the first season of the show. So I can go on Netflix and find Lisa Rinna on Community. It was very exciting. I have to go watch that. You know, I just was revisiting her clip in Entourage when she like was on that show. Um, it's on, I've never seen that. She was in like a, a, a one episode where she hooks up with Turtle or Drama. I forget which one she ended up hooking up with. But um, yeah, she's a good comedic actress. I want these women to act more. Like I want to see, yeah. you know, this past week on Beverly Hills, Rinna gave that great um, soap opera performance when she sat down with Denise in the lobby mm-hmm. of the hotel room. And it was like, this is great acting. Like, I want to see them in sitcoms. And I would, maybe she can coach Ramona because the, the, um, the tears, we're, we're skipping ahead, but the tears, that was less convincing than I want a man to hold me uh, performance from earlier in the season. The tears for Ramona just were not coming. Like she was, I, I always imagined them like, um, like pinching taking, their yeah, pinching their leg or like t- stabbing themselves to try to get a tear out. And it's like Ramona, I feel like she was dug as deep as she could in that leg and couldn't get anything out. Oh, I, this is a tangent, but I, I thought of a, a guest for you, which would be the casting director of Malibu Country, who <gasps> could get to the bottom of what happened there. I love that idea. I'm going to do it immediately getting off here. I'm going to reach out. That was wild. I'm, those were the days on Orange County, the Malibu Country. Mm. That was when it was so good. It was so good. Um, yeah, I want, I, want, I want more. I want Lisa Rinna. I want to go follow her to set in the way that we have with Eileen and Denise. I want to see more. Right. Yeah. Um, was she on Housewives at the time of Community? No, it was okay. before that. Yeah. You know, I find Joel McHale so sexy. It's neither here nor there, but he's very attractive. You're not alone in that. Yeah. Yeah, he's very attractive. Um, Okay, so we got to, real quickly, on the way to the shaman, (laughs) never thought I'd say that sentence about Roni, Um, on the way to the shaman, it's revealed that all of these women have hooked up with with Constantine from American Idol. (laughs) Did you ever watch American Idol? No, but I was in a table read of a play with him many years ago. Oh my God, Gillian, you have all of these wonderful connections. What was he like? Did you date him too? I did not date him. Okay. I can't remember what the play was. I just know many years ago, yes, Constantine and I were in a table read of a play together. Wow. Wow, Gillian, wow. I um, find it- Wait, how was that revealed? I thought they bleeped out the name. Well, they didn't. I just did a lot of recon. (laughs) Oh, so they misstated because Ramona, I thought, said he, this person won. Right. 
Right. They, right. They all thought he won, but he didn't win. He was in like sixth place, but it's really the only person, unless there's somebody else, but like, he's the only person that has like been photographed. And I think even Tinsley had admitted in the press to dating Constantine or something. Um, and then Constantine was also weirdly on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills at, at Taylor Armstrong's party, like years Taylor Armstrong ago. enough. Yes. Do you, did you know that his, history? <laughs> No, you know, you never watched it then. Uh, I, I, but I, I think I reached out to you because I had buzz off. Dwight has been stuck in my head as a phrase for many years. And I couldn't remember who said it and who Dwight was. And I think it was Taylor Armstrong's friend, Dwight. And I think, I think Adrian Malouf's ex-husband. What's, uh, how am I? Uh, Paul, Paul. Yeah, Paul. It's Paul, right? I think Paul said buzz off Dwight. I think. I think you're right too. And I always, I really feel like embarrassed when people ask me like questions and I don't know about housewives. Like I, (laughs) I feel like, I feel ashamed. I'm like, how do I not remember that? You should not. You have so much that you're trying to keep in your head at one time and you have to focus on what's currently happening. I know. I know some of it comes in and out and then all of a sudden I'll have like a a dream about, you know, Malibu country, for instance. Mm. And it's like, what? Or when you said Luann uh, on stage in an Italian award show as Sharon Stone, it was like, I felt like that's so Raven, like it all came back to me and wow. Um, So then they go to the shaman who did a prayer and then there was like a, a spiritual bird session happening. Like all the birds were, (laughs) the birds were really enjoying the shaman performance. And that, that was a scene where I was thinking like, I would love to see them in a more religious place. Cause Dorinda even said, I love the spiritual part of this trip. Mm -hmm. It was like, what, what other spiritual part of this trip was there? Hmm. Maybe just how she was feeling on the inside when she was yelling at everyone. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, we all we didn't really have much in, on Beverly Hills this week either because they couldn't get in um, to the Vatican, I guess. So right, yeah, there was like a two-hour. Sorry, there's someone at my front door. And oh, do you need um, to get it? No, no, no. But it made a lot of noise. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm fascinated by it, and then I love that they just go into a cave. It was mm-hmm. very, um, that horror uh, look, movie. Uh, oh. What was that horror movie where they yes, all, the women go cave diving? It was so scary. Oh, what was that? People can Google it, but it was very, it was a scary, <laughs> very scary movie. I feel like you're referencing a film that I unsuccessfully auditioned for. I thought it was like, wasn't it? Wait, what was, was it? I don't know if there were American actresses in it. Wasn't it like? Oh. Never mind. But I mean, <laughs> so many horror films I unsuccessfully auditioned for. The, is there one? <laughs> the Hills Have Eyes. The Hills Have Eyes Two. <laughs> so. Oh my God! Is there one that got away? Is there one? Oh, that definitely you think- The Hills Have Eyes. Um, sure. Oh, just so many of them. I mean, I remember there was one. I think it was called The Exorcism of Emily Rose, where um, my friend you- Ashley Bell is it was it was that her was that the role. No, I think it was Jennifer Carpenter, who I went to college with, got that part, who's a tremendous actress and was far better than I would have ever been. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think I ever <laughs> you know, successfully auditioned for a horror film. I was doing research on you, of course, and <laughs> um, you went to Juilliard, right? I did. And I was like, the, when I read that, the first thing that always comes to mind when I think of Juilliard is uh, Save the Last Dance. Mm-hmm. You've seen that, right? 
You've never seen it? Oh my god! I've never seen it, but she she takes dance at Juilliard, right? She goes to like well, yeah, she like auditions. The, she auditions for Juilliard with this dance that is truly one of the most heinous dance routines I've ever seen on film. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not good. Like you don't don't watch the movie. Just like look okay. it up on YouTube. And I love that film. It's fantastic. You're reminding me of another audition story. <laughs> what? Tell me. I auditioned for Step Up, um, but I can't dance. And for some reason, the casting director, who was lovely and I had met before, got confused and in her mind thought I had been a ballerina. And so when I walked into audition for the director of Step Up, or maybe it was Step Up 2, I can't remember. It was one. the streets. Yes. I think she said to the director, she used to be a ballerina. And I didn't have the courage to say, no, I wasn't. And it was the one time in my life that I purposefully bombed an audition because I was so terrified of the dance callback that I just tried to be as bad as possible so I wouldn't have to humiliate myself by doing that. Um, and yeah, that was that was a truly terrifying moment. That and when I auditioned for Across the Universe, the Beatles musical, and... Um, you had to sing two Beatles songs. I also can't sing. And Wait, so what I, did you sing? Which they, ones well, they you? assigned them to you because I also thought, well, at least, you know, I can name a dozen Beatles songs that I know well enough that even I can like get my way through them. If the song probably isn't obscure. I just don't know enough about the Beatles, but they gave me two songs I had never heard of like the night before. And I'm trying oh. to learn them. And they had me sing. And then it was like dead silence of just, just terrible, <laughs> terrible off pitch um, wailing noises. And then they said, let's try the scenes. And then I remember the casting director said, well, at least that was good. And it was, I felt <laughs> this big. You know, I always feel like they should just dub the actors, you know, like they did that. Remember they did an, uh, an animated movie with Aladdin. It was like, that's not. What? Yeah, like the guy who sang for Aladdin is a different person than the the voice of Aladdin. I didn't. Ugh, and, uh, and on the Lion King, Matthew Broderick, who I believe is like a broad, he's got a great Broadway voice, but he's not the singing voice in the Lion King as Simba. What? Yeah, shocking. I know. Learning so much. Um, okay, so they go cave diving, and then. <laughs> um, Oh, after cave diving, I want to talk about this for a second. So Leah reveals that she has a witch in Brooklyn who got the bad energy out of her vagina. Mm -hmm. She put a crystal egg up there. And watching the women watch her tell this story was what I really enjoyed. Like Ramona's face. Sonia's thinking about like booking this woman. (laughs) It was a lot lot going on. Um, What do you make of Leah this season? Are you enjoying her? I just love... I love watching her interact with the women. I love when she makes them go places that they have not gone before to different parts of New York. I love them watch her enter a room in a new outfit. I just think it's been terrific. Yeah, she's been great. She's like such a different energy. I think the next season we just need like a little bit of a bridge between all of them. Mm-hmm. But she's amazing. Wait, she's now, amazing. so... Was she actually friends with Tinsley before the show or was that their sort of scripted entrance for her? You know, they seem very friendly Mm -hmm. in real life now, but I don't know if it was like a loose friendship or, or whatever, you know, the Bravo bamboozles us a lot. So sometimes they say they're very close. 
um, and then they're not. Well, we had that with Tinsley and um, Carol. Right. I know. A lot of contention over how good of friends they were in real life. It's so weird to me, though, like Tinsley's going to get married and I just feel like I want Carol to be there since she did introduce them. Mm hmm but they're not friends anymore. And that just like breaks my heart a little bit. Neither of them are on the show. So you can't really compel Carol to go or Tinsley to invite her. Right. And I really don't think any of the women will be at Tinsley's wedding. Like I feel like after she left, she's like, okay, I'm not really friends with any of you. Maybe Leah. Maybe. Maybe Leah. Maybe Leah. Um, I want to see Tinsley's wedding though. Like I want to, I want them to film it or give them a bunch of money so we can see the Chicago wedding. Did I make this up? Is she like starting the Chicago franchise or did, did I just dream that? I, I dream that too. I, I want that to happen, but I don't, I hear it's not happening, but mm-hmm. I wish it would. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think we got any other thoughts on the episode and then I have some other questions for you. I don't want to keep you forever. This is the highlight of my week. Are you kidding me? Okay. Then I'll keep you forever. <laughs> <laughs> There is a little fight between the Danny Pellegrino. I mean, this is like, I love you. I'm like such a huge fan of yours. So, uh, you know, I'm, I was like nervous for today. I'm like, Oh my God, I love her. Oh, so my, I was nervous. I, <gasps> I, I have a bird detour for you involving my mother. <laughs> oh my God. Tell me, okay, tell me so, one time. So I grew up in Pittsburgh. So not far from Ohio. Where in Ohio are you from? It's like outside of Cleveland. It's so yeah. in Ohio. Yeah. Okay. So I'm from outside of Pittsburgh and, um, my mom, I think it was around Easter one time, wanted to go to this park, the state park, and walk around this pond. But what she didn't realize was that it was when all the Canadian geese were um, sitting on their eggs. And, you know, Canadian geese are already scary under Very the best aggressive. of circumstance. But when there are eggs, vulnerable eggs, they're especially. And so my mom was walking around this and getting so close to them. And I was being a bratty teenager and I didn't want to go on this walk anyway. And we're out in the woods and then and then she's getting close to the birds and I'm going, mom, mom, stay away from the birds. And she's like, it's fine. It's fine. They'll love me. And then the male Canadian geese start flying mere inches above my mother's head and their wingspans are like this and they are flapping their wings and very threatening. And my mom's like, I'm not scared of you and trying to yell back at the Canadian geese. So I was like, mom, mom, so embarrassed. There's not even anyone there. It's not even typical teenage. Like there's other people around and I'm embarrassed, but I was so mortified (laughs) that my mother was being like the Canadian geese were attacking my mom. And it oh made me think God. of that with you and Linda I love and the that. bird in the pod. <laughs> you know, Linda, she had some tough experiences with birds. You know, she, my mom, she recently told me, like, I, I didn't tell this story because I feel like people think I only tell bird stories about my mom. Because <laughs> she had a woodpecker incident. Oh, yeah. The, the bold-ass woodpecker. But she also, you know, people were, like, telling her about the woodpecker story. So, like, she doesn't listen to the podcast, but people were telling her and stuff. And uh, so then now she like tells me bird stories all the time, you know, (laughs) so she was the one who reminded me of the time the bird flew in the house. Um, But then she was also telling me about this time, like her and her girlfriends took a, like um, a girl's trip to Palm Springs, like years and years ago. And she Mm -hmm. said uh, there was a woman staying at the resort who was like always hanging out with them. And she like, this woman like tattled on their group to like the management that they like stole towels or something like that at the pool, right? It was like some sort of weird thing. So then their whole group hated this woman who was like tattling on the towels. So they found out that this woman hated birds. And so then my aunt Chris, 
Um, I think it was my aunt Chris or someone that was in the group. They started, um, they would get bread around the pool and they'd, they'd attract birds around this woman. So they'd like go, <laughs> she sounds like really bullying, but this woman was a real asshole. And my mom, <laughs> my mom wasn't part of the, like bringing the birds around, but they were just like trying to scare this woman by like attracting birds. Cause they knew she hated birds. Was this the aunt that was aggressive at yard sales? No, that's my aunt Sue. That's my aunt Sue. Oh my God. I love that you listen to the show. Um, I listen to it every week. It makes me so happy. I love you so much. Yeah, she, my Aunt Sue is a wild one. We used to garage sale with her all the time and and (laughs) it was always an experience. Um, Yeah. Okay. So wait, uh, I want to, I have some questions for you. All right. Let's see. First of all, speaking of Ohio, your new movie is called, I used to go here. Correct. And I really felt like such a connection to it because I was, I was just talking Shortly before I saw it, I was talking to a friend about how much I desired to go back. I spent my first two years of college at Ohio University, and it's such like a college town in Athens, Ohio. And I literally dream about going back for like a week or a weekend and just kind of going back in time to that period in life. And so your character is an author who goes back to a college town, and it just felt so nostalgic. Tell people about what it's about. I sort of just did. My author, my author, my character is an author who has her first book come out. Uh, She thinks it's going to be this huge success. The book sales are really bad. The publishers cancel her whole book tour. She really has nothing going on. She's broken up with her fiance and she gets a call from her old professor inviting her to come back um, and give a talk at her alma mater. And this is the only thing she has going on. So sure, why not? And she gets there and the students and everyone there is treating her like she's this success. This She's this big deal. And it feels great because she's feeling terrible about her life. And she goes over to the house she used to live in at college. And she meets all the students that are currently living there. And they're like, come on inside. And she's like, oh, okay, come to our party. She comes to their party. And then she's like, oh, should I just like move back here back where here. like everyone thinks I'm incredible. And like, so it is, it is that kind of like pull of the nostalgia of college going back to a place where people are being nice to you when you don't really have a lot of affirmation in your life. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's a great movie. I think the, the cast uh, is amazing. Jermaine Clement from flight of the Concords plays my old professor and he's so funny uh, and terrific in it. So yeah, I, I have my character's book. You just she pull hates it out book. of the weeds. You just I do. Wait, I have to go like this so you can see it because oh my God. of the green screen. Yeah. She hates the book cover. That's a recurring <laughs> uh, joke in the movie. Yes. It so. was really so good. And I, and it not only it's, it's very funny, but it like left me in my feels. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I like really loved it. It felt nostalgic to me and I just thought it was like a beautiful movie. I don't know. It was like, it hit me at a weird time too, where I was like feeling extra emotional. And so I I hope everyone watches it because I just thought it was great. And the cast is good, but I love the the other guy who plays uh, one of the college students that you sort of like, I I don't want to spoil anything, but he's very cute too. Very cute. Josh Wiggins is very cute. Much younger than me. He's very young. How uh, He's young. How old is he? He's a young man. He's like 20 something, right? Yeah, maybe 20, 21, maybe 21 oh. at this point. Yeah. He's, a young um, man. he's got a stunning face, like his facial features. I'm like, oh my God, his face is. People call him baby great. Matt Damon. He's got, he's got. He's going places. Matt. Yeah. He's You're like, I need he's... a cigarette and like, he's going places. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was so, so good. Uh, I'm so glad you liked it. And I also loved love on Netflix. I know people Aww. really know you from community. Um, 
but love was just so good. So thank good. you, Danny. I I loved love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. Do you have a? I mean, this is sort of a stupid question, but do you have like a? <laughs> is there one project that you just really you felt the best about, or that you? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does make sense. I think obviously, you know, community has proven to be a show that um, people are still talking about and that I think was, you know, probably one of the best things I'll ever be a part of and obviously love. But other than that, um, I, I don't know if you ever saw this movie. I think you might like this one. It was called um, Don't Think Twice. Loved um, it. Yeah. So that, loved, that's, an, yeah. that's another movie that I'm, I, I'm very proud of. That movie left me in my fields too, because I literally spent my twenties doing improv, right? Like I, Second in Chicago City. too. Yeah. I thought, Chicago, I thought yeah. that one would resonate for you. My Chicago oh my features land with you, Danny. I, know, I am very Midwest. <laughs> I'm very Midwest. Um, that, yeah, I, I saw that movie in theaters and I, I thought it was brilliant. Like it's so, it, it's the, I mean, the only movie I could think of that's really about sort of improv life. And it's such a world, like, I don't know. I remember when I got out of college, I moved to Chicago and started doing Second City and IO there. Mm-hmm. And that was like my whole life. And I was I was working at those theaters because, you know, you get free classes when you work there. And um, in Chicago, especially, it's just such a community. Here in LA, it's like a different vibe. Like everyone who does improv, it's like they just want to do their character reels on stage. So mm-hmm. it's like a different kind of, different kind of thing. <laughs> well, but. I always thought that when I first moved to LA... And realize that a lot of plays are double cast because they're like, well, what if I get a pilot or I get a movie or something? You know, that was like a new concept to me. I think like the prospect of getting a pilot or getting a movie feels so much more real in L.A. Like that could happen at any moment. And even in New York, when because I went to college in New York and lived there before I moved here, Hollywood and film and TV felt just a little bit farther out of reach, too. But in L.A., it just felt like it could happen at any moment. (laughs) Uh, wait, so what was your Juilliard audition? Did you have... Oh, my God. Did you dance like Julia Stiles did? No, thankfully, you don't have to dance. Um, you have you got to have... see the clip. It's okay, so well, look, I, you do have to sing a cappella um, for your Juilliard audition, but they say that it's not about being a good singer, which is obviously true. I would not have been admitted. But then you do you do wind up in school with people who are incredible singers and have gone on to star on Broadway, like Tracy Toms, um, who was in Rent, was um, and was also in Love, was um, a senior when I was a freshman at Juilliard, and she's got like one of the most beautiful voices. So they'd be like, no, no, you don't have to really be able to sing. But then they made you take three years of singing classes and do oh. a cabaret that you had to perform for the public. And it's like your junior year and the first thing that agents and managers and casting directors are allowed to see. And they were making me sing three-part harmony. (laughs) And I was like, clearly one of the worst singers in my class. And it was very nerve wracking. And I was like, why are they making us do this? And like, why are they inviting members of the industry to this, to hear me sing terribly? Um, But yeah. Um, Well, if Luann can tour a cabaret, I'm sure the students of Juilliard did a much better job than her band bongos for 45 minutes so traumatized by that across the universe audition that years later uh, they were trying to make a movie about Joni Mitchell all the like ladies of the canyon you know um like Carly Simon and all those people and so oh my god that sounds amazing is that going yeah, to happen I, I don't think it ever happened who knows Ugh. it may happen in the future but I I was auditioning to play Carly Simon and they're like learn a Carly Simon song 
But my technique for this was uh, you did the scene first in that audition. And so then I pretended like I forgot you also had to sing and I tried to leave <laughs> and I got to the door and got That's my smart. hand on the door and they're like, no, wait, the song. And I was like, oh, yes, the song. Of course, the song. <laughs> oh, I didn't prepare it. I'll just do yeah. it. And then I, I, you know, you hear the expression, but you don't really know that's actually true. I was so ne- nervous. My teeth shook singing um, that Carly Simon song in the audition. And I mean, which, song, which song was it? Um, I think I sang her James Bond theme song. <laughs> Nobody does it better. Wait, so I, you didn't tell me what your Juilliard audition oh, okay. song is. Oh, oh, well, I thought I was being very clever. My Neck and, by Back by Kia? <laughs> no, I did. I did a song from a Shakespeare musical. Like they had turned a Shakespeare play into a musical. And I thought, they'll love this. Um, I don't think that that really mattered because I know other people sang like Happy Birthday. Like you really don't have to sing. But you did do two monologues, a classical and a contemporary, a comedic and dramatic. And I think I did a monologue from A Midsummer Night's Dream for my classical and then I know so there's like different parts of this audition to get into Juilliard and oh Julia Stiles just had to do one bullshit dance and she got in. Well, I don't know what the dance part of the school is like. Maybe you just have so to do one dance. Maybe they make everyone learn that dance now. Maybe that's so the audition There is no way anyone could see that dance and think we're letting you into any school, whether it be Juilliard or a community online college. Like the dancers <laughs> at Juilliard were incredible. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So you uh, tell people about your, the new season of your podcast, Blood Ties. Tell oh yes. Yes. So uh, I am a voice on a scripted podcast. Um, it's kind of like a succession meets, I don't know if you, did you ever oh, listen I love to like, succession. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's like a family where the family owns this medical company. So Josh Gad and I play brother and sister and we find out a lot of things about our father who was sort of the iconic Brian Cox Ask you know, paternal figure of this company in the first season. And so um, it's great. It's the same podcast company that does Dirty John, Dr. Death, um, all of these, you know, very popular nonfiction um, podcasts. And it kind of has similar themes to a lot of those uh, nonfiction ones that people really love. So it's called Blood Ties. Uh, my competition in the podcast world. Do you consider scripted podcasts your competition? Not really. No, <laughs> I mean, I am getting pissed though. In the unscripted version, there now I'm competing with like Zach Morris has a podcast, like the guy, Mark Paul Gossler's <laughs> got, there's an Entourage podcast. There's like, I'm competing with all of these people. And I'm like, yeah, but you're iconic. Oh my God, you're sweet. Um, and you're also, you're directing something on Disney Plus. You're doing a lot of directing now. Do you like, you like directing, right? I do. Yeah. So I uh, directed a uh, episode. What a of stupid this- question, by the way. Like you're doing a lot of it. You like it, right? Well, <laughs> I, a lot I, of people I, do jobs they don't like. I don't know. It's true. worth asking. <laughs> I, often, I often feel like that Chris Farley character when I have a guest on, I'm like nervous about it. I feel like you remember on SNL and he would just say, you remember you did that thing? Yeah. Anyway. You know what? Uh, I, I do like directing. <laughs> it's a great question. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I've directed a few documentaries at this point. And so this one is for a new series for Disney Plus called 616. That's each, um, each episode is a different standalone, completely different subject matter, but it's all about Marvel comics. So mine is about a bunch of women who have written or illustrated or edited comics for Marvel over the decades. 
Interesting. I just hit my own. Oh my god. Uh, would you? Are you interested in directing scripted stuff? Yeah, I directed a scripted short film a few years ago um, that you can find on YouTube. It's uh, it was called Curated. Um, it was TNT and Refinery Twenty Nine. Um, so I think you could, if you just type in like Curated TNT in YouTube, you can find it. Um, Danny uh, Pudi, who was on Community with me, is in it. Um, and uh, yeah, I would love to direct more scripted things it, as well. Uh, my boyfriend and I just started watching that show he's in on um, Apple. Yes, Apple Mythic Quest. Quest. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I mean, we only it's, watched one episode so far, but it's good. Yes. Well, one of the writers of Community um, is the co-creator, showrunner of that show, Megan Gans, and my friend Jesse Ennis, who I was in Love. She played the young like podcaster that I mentored on Love. She's also on Mythic Quest. So. I was mad that Love it wasn't coming back for anymore. I would have liked like five more seasons of it. Okay, this is our assignment when we get off this, is we have to start Dorinda for Dancing with the Stars. More love. And more love. <laughs> um, so a community movie, it's happening then. We can confirm that. If you, I need if, the press, Danny, Gillian. do you have green lighting ability at Netflix? That is my question to you. I feel like they, they'll probably do it, right? Like when everyone's watching that show on Netflix right now. So they're going to do it. They're going to say like, look at these numbers. Let's give them a movie. It'll help the, it'll help the numbers for the TV show. Cause it, it's like a good business move. So I it, mean, everything you're saying makes sense to me. Dan. What would you want? What would you want the movie to be about? Are you, I think, you know, we did the, we did a zoom table read reunion and I think someone asked us something similar to that. And so, so you're, you're saying my question is really bad. That, Danny. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like really in an ornery mood today. You're gripey. I know. I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say that it's a terrific question um, that I haven't given much thought to, but if you have any pitches, we're open to hearing them. Would Chevy be back for the movie? Probably not. No. <laughs> yeah. He's not coming back. Just, there must be so many good stories from that set. You know, I interviewed uh, Beverly D'Angelo who played, Ellen Griswold, right? And I interviewed her at her house and it was like the stories she would tell me were just so amazing. Like she said, like Dan Aykroyd wrote Ghostbusters in that house because she like she moved in and it was just like so wild. And and she would she told me some stories about Chevy and I just I find him fascinating. Um anyway. Okay, so uh sexiest man alive if you were choosing People magazine. You know I ask everyone that question. Oh yeah, and now I'm like what's my Mariah Carey song? I know it's coming up. Oh god. Yeah. Um sexiest man alive. Um Raul from Real Housewives of New York. Sure. Yeah. They were both sexy. I I would have chosen Felipe if we were go- was that his name? Philip <laughs> Felipe from um later in the episode, but uh Favorite Mariah Carey song? Um, Always Be My Baby. That's a good choice. You said it sort of with a question mark, though. Because I was like, am I saying the correct title? I've kept you so long. I wasn't planning on keeping so you this fun. long. Um, what uh, movies do you like? Like, what's your favorite rom-com? Do you like rom-coms? Like, Ibiza was really good, too. If people want, like, a good... Who is the guy in that? Richard Madden. Right. So sexy in that. He played the sexy DJ, right? Yeah. If you're, you know, you're like, oh, I've watched Bodyguard several times on Netflix. He's when so is The Eternals now. coming out, maybe check out Ibiza on Netflix and you can see Richard Madden. Yeah. He's yeah. gorgeous. And yeah. all of the three, I love you, Vanessa Bayer and Phoebe. Just yeah. That was, that was so much fun. Um, yeah. Richard is 
just the best. Um, he's not, I don't know. I, I, is he dating some guy? Is he, I don't know if he's, I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, maybe I'm just daydreaming about him dating me, but <laughs> <laughs> Matt, <laughs> um, neither here nor there. So what, uh, wait, what, so what kind of rom-coms or what kind of stuff do you like? Hmm. I never really watched rom-coms, which also became... That's a wrap on Gilead. I know. (laughs) (laughs) No Lifetime Christmas movies, and I don't... Hallmark Christmas movies, and I don't... And I have really not seen too many rom-coms. I'm so sorry, Danny. It became very apparent when we were working on the film, too, that I did not know a lot about (laughs) rom-coms. It's okay. It is okay. I mean... Hmm. No, but you're watching Bravo. You're busy with Bravo. I'm very busy with Bravo. And you're in a, to, you have a hundred projects going on. I have a hundred projects. I don't have time. It's a lot. What should I, what's your favorite? What should I watch? I'll tell you if I've seen uh, it or not. You've got mail is my favorite. My number one. I like anything Meg Ryan. I like the, like the nineties yeah. Meg Ryan, like when Harry met Sally sleepless in Seattle. I think like her and Tom Hanks just have like the best chemistry. I think it's, that's really what makes those good. Um, I like anything with Judy Greer in a supporting role. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Gillian, thank you so much for coming to the show. This was such a delight for me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, do you have any final thoughts about Housewives, Bravo, anything that you want to get off your, like a therapy session, anything you want to get off your chest? Um, I, I want Eileen Davidson to come back to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I agree. She's sort of a stable presence that we, I miss her desperately. How dare you? How dare you? Beast. Beast. How dare dare you? Beast. Um, Gillian, thank you. I want to encourage everyone to go see or go rent. Um, I used to go here, which is on demand, correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, And uh, just Google Gillian Jacobs and find all of your projects, the podcast, all of it. Uh, thank you, Gillian. And are you going to get it back on social media soon, right? You need to get, are you off it? Yeah. You're yeah. Done. I just felt like I didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> it's too much. Matt, my boyfriend got off social media too, and he feels like happy about it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I love you. Thank you so much for coming to do the show. Oh my God. This was a true highlight for me. And please come back anytime. Thank you for having okay. me. We'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks, Gillian. Bye. Bye. love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories so much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made 
for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. 